Welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE.com podcast. This is episode number four, and today's guest is Helen Wade. Right, hello, and welcome to the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast. We are back with you again, and this time round, we have the very lovely Helen Wade, who has been a languages teacher for 35 years, which sounds like a very long time, i got to say. It is a very long time. Bless you. <laughs> Um, I think you probably get less time for killing someone, don't you? Wow. Um, so, we are here today to talk all things languages and languages GCSE, so French, German, Spanish, possibly even some of the more unusual languages, because they all tend to be, I think, much of a muchness in terms of what you do and how you do it. Um, you're, you have kind of languages that you teach more than others, don't you? So what's your? I teach French and German GCSE. So the, basically there are four skills for each of the, the modern languages anyway, which are listening, speaking, reading and writing. And with the new GCSE, they are all weighted at 25% each, so they are all of equal value. Okay. Awesome. And you were, um, we were talking earlier and you were saying there was another big change for the new GCSE as well, which sounded like a very important one to make sure that we mentioned that uh, all of the instructions are now given in the target language. In the old days, the instructions were given in English, which made it easier for, for pupils to understand what was going on, uh, particularly on the writing now, that you have to understand exactly what it is the exam board is asking you to write about. And that is something that comes with practice, so looking at past papers, looking at what the instructions are, but also the specification for the exam board you're doing should give you the list of the rubrics for particularly the listening and the reading exams. So yeah. tick this, answer that, uh, write out in the, in the right language. Always answer the question in the correct language. It will tell you which one it wants the answer in. <laughs> Otherwise you don't get any marks. <laughs> so given that it is a, a, a change, a recent change, are there um, lots of examples on the example websites of previous papers? Or is it so new that there's probably not going to be a, a wealth of resources? We're into our second full year, but the exam board should have specimen papers as well. And uh, a lot of the revision, revision guides give a list of what the rubrics are as well on the inside cover. as uh, So to practice. Yeah, it's definitely on the specifications. There's a, a whole list of, um, as well as all the vocabulary, there's a list of, you know, this is the instruction, this is what it means in English, so that you can make sure you know those. So if you learn nothing else in the run-up, those would be a really good place to start, right? And it, yeah, and I think also uh, on the listening and reading, for example, make sure if it says put across, you can put across in the right box and uh, always follow the instructions that they're giving you to do. So if it wants a word in German, you write a word in German. If it wants it in English, you write it in English. But it is those little details, mainly because the papers are, are put through scanners rather than marked by a human. So if you don't put the cross in the right box or in the right place, then the chances are you'll lose your marks. Mm. Possibly um, a stupid question, but I'm assuming you see this happening quite a lot still. Yes, yes so we do. So marks yeah. very easily, very quickly lost. If it says tick four boxes and there are eight possibilities and you tick all eight, you get nothing because they take off a mark for every extra cross or tick that you put so if you tick all eight then you'll lose four you gain four lose four so always make sure that you do exactly what the instructions are 
and on the front of the paper it also shows you how to cross out if you've made a mistake so that that again won't lose you a mark. It does sound like uh, teaching uh, grannies to suck eggs but at the mm. same time it's yeah. it's free marks or free marks lost I suppose. Yeah. Well, and, and you get to that point I think when you've been sat doing mm. a bunch of exam papers all in a row when you're in the middle of mocks or whether you're in the middle of the actual exams you read you, you kind of you sit there and you're like oh it's another exam you don't necessarily read through all the instructions mm. because you're too busy going oh my gosh I've forgotten what that word was that I'm supposed to be remembering and panicking before you can then open your paper so it's something I know I always used to teach kids to do in maths is to read through the instructions really 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 thoroughly and make the most of that a little bit of time before you're allowed to then open up your paper and, and crack on so it, it's silly things like for example in German if you're ticking true and false it's true in English but it's richtig in German so they want you to write R and not T now sometimes they'll give you the benefit of the, the doubt but if they want R and F then make sure you put R and F and not T and F it's, it's silly things mm. like that and, and so is that made clear in the instructions the instructions are there and it's always in bold what so there's what, no excuse no there <laughs> is no excuse but if your brain is thinking true false and you don't yeah. put R you put T then and you're under pressure a, you're in an yeah. exam okay there's a danger of losing a, a simple mark yeah we were also talking earlier if we could looking at the exam technique on the the listening exam the first five minutes our reading time and that's actually read out in the, at the <coughs> beginning of the exam which says you now have five minutes to read through your paper and those are the most valuable five minutes of the whole exam the paper is yours you can annotate anything don't write anything on the bits where you have to put your final answer but look at the pictures label up the pictures in, in the language of what you think they're going so weather symbols for example go through and, and write down the weather in, in the target language so you know what you're listening out for different sports or just go through and anticipate what the answer could possibly be because on the listening exam just actually working out what the possibilities are can give you an advantage so I'm just giving an example you're on the way to the airport and you hear this announcement on the radio well, it's likely to be an accident on the motorway or a traffic jam, or if you're going to the airport, it could be fog. And if you anticipate what the possibilities could be when you hear them, then it becomes so much easier. Yeah, so using sort of your thing. time wisely. Yeah, yeah. Using those five minutes, the most valuable five minutes on the, on the listening paper. Mm. Yeah, I think because I know certainly I'd, I'd be nervous about writing anything on my bit of paper if I wasn't sure whether I was allowed to or not because it's always a little bit scary in exams and it doesn't matter how many times you give the instructions because they're seeing so many exams all in one block it all kind of blurs together I think but it actually so. comes over the audio file it says you can write on your paper at any time mm -hmm. and that includes those first five minutes the students who do themselves a disservice are the ones who just sit and gaze about and don't even open the paper those five minutes are the most valuable part of the listening paper it's always very frustrating sitting at the uh, front of an exam watching them start off. They've been briefed, they should know what to do, and you can still see people who are not making the most of the time. Mm. So, yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good hint that they should Thank know you. about, frankly. But They should be told over and over again, as certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> then it's down to whether they listen then, isn't it? Yeah. Um, speaking of listening, so when, uh, in fact, maybe speaking of speaking, the... 
It's speaking and listening that's first, isn't it? Or are they together? Am I the speaking exam? It's not a speaking and listening like English. Okay. It is speaking separate completely. Um, they are done out of the main exam period, so between April and May. The school can select when they do those, um, and those are usually done with your teacher. So you've you've not got that uh, worry of meeting somebody you don't know and speaking a, a strange language to them. Uh, the board, we do AQA. Uh, we don't mark the exams, we just listen and facilitate. So um, we don't sit there scribbling notes or trying to work out what grade it is. We're literally just talking to our students to try and get the very best out of them on the speaking test. Um, I'm assuming that most boards are the same, but for AQA, for example, the first question is a, is a photograph that you have to give, uh, describe the photograph. You're given three questions in advance and then the teacher will ask two other ones. Um, on uh, Then you get a role play to do again and usually there's an unknown question, something that you don't know is coming, the teacher will ask and you have to respond to and at some point you have to ask a question. Uh, all of these things can be prepared in advance. Um, what we do in our school is that we've gone through every past paper, we've looked at all the unknown questions and we've looked at everything that they have to write, make a question up about and so that we've got all those ready to practice. The other part of the exam is the conversation and your teachers should be preparing you with the type of questions that you're going to be asked in the exam which means that you can prepare your answers in advance. So the speaking test, although it's the most daunting, because unlike teachers, students tend not to like talking very much, it, <laughs> it is the bit of the exam, the 25%, that is the most easily prepared for, yeah. particularly on the, uh, the conversation questions, which you should have at least an idea of what's coming in advance. On AQA, you can choose your favourite topic area to come first, and then you know what the other two topic areas are too. So if you make the effort to prepare your answers in advance, then there should be no surprises on that at all. So in terms of revision, how, how would you suggest students best revise for that particular aspect? The... Key thing is, is knowing the topic areas. So AQA, for example, has got three broad topic areas and we come up with a range of questions that meet the criteria for those topic areas. Basically, you need to be making sure that you give opinions, that you can talk about something in the future, talk about something in, in, in the past. Most of it is, is connected to your own experiences, so past holidays, future holidays school opinions about favourite subjects, what you wear for school. So and this is something uh, you can pre-prepare? All you can prepare, your, your teachers should be giving you a list of, uh, not necessarily the, the actual questions they're going to ask, but a list of the sort of questions that you can prepare. So and once you've prepared what you think is your answer, the teacher can check that it's correct? Yes. And at that point you've you can got learn to it off by heart. revise yeah. it? Learn it off by heart. Okay. And test yourself regularly. Yep. Get somebody else to test you regularly. Parents, possibly. Yeah. Yep. Make your own recording of it. You can you can listen to it back, and that will help you remember it as well. Because yep. there should be no surprises. The only surprises in the um, in the speaking test really are the two extra questions that go with the photograph, 
but they are based around the same topic areas that you prepared anyway. So there's a very good chance that those two extra questions could be things that you prepared as part of your general conversation. So, for, for example, in, in our board, then you choose, you've got three broad topic areas. You select which one you want to be asked on first. And the you can either choose the one you're least confident on because you can prepare that more thoroughly so there's no surprises. That's what I advise my students to do. And then over the picture and the second topic area, the other two topic areas will be covered. So that's how you can guarantee that you're prepared for every event eventuality because you know that all three topic areas will be covered in the exam somewhere. The only random bit is the role play, but that, again, is based around things that you've, you've learnt in lessons. Mm. And that's the lowest scoring part of the exam as well, the, the role play. So, Just going back to what you said about um, recording yourself, we had a podcast a couple of, well, last two, two podcasts ago about, um, it was Kamal talking about um, recording himself and making silly voices and uh, how he'd laugh with a friend as they're busy sort of making up these ridiculous voices to, to remember things. Mm. But when it came to the exam, they, then they knew everything. Uh, that was to do with English language, uh, yeah. English literature, sorry. But the same principle can apply. As long as you, you have a phone in your pocket pretty much all the time, you can record yourself, you can play it back whenever. If you do it enough, you will start remembering. Mm. If you put a particular um, silly voice on. Some students sing it. They learn it to, yeah. to yeah. tunes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, whatever works fun. but um, it's just yeah. making sure that you are working hard to find a way it works for uh, for you as a student yeah. the yeah. idea is that you should not prepare it all off by heart in advance but unless you are heading for for nines the the chances are you will really have to learn it off by heart unless you're a native speaker um, and it's your teacher's job there to make it sound as though it's not been learned off by heart yeah. so that's how I see myself as a facilitator, that I can go, oh, lovely, oh, brilliant, oh, oh, really? And make it sound like we're having a conversation, whereas the student has learned it all off by heart. But that's the teacher's job, to, to make it sound like a natural conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and with the speaking bits, so the, the topics that they get in advance and things like that, when should they expect to have found those? Because... I know our friend mentioned her son did GCSEs last year and she was quite frustrated that to, to find that he'd been struggling with his French and he was trying to prepare for his, I'm pretty sure, his speaking test. Yep. And she only found out the week before that he had three specific subjects or topics or questions that he was supposed to be focusing around because they've got a friend who speaks fluent French and he could have gone and done some conversation practice with her and that would have been super easy but he just hadn't mentioned it to his mum the, the topic areas um, are covered throughout the whole course so the order in which the, the areas are taught over the two three years of GCSE doesn't mean that those are the the way they the to topics are organised so for example uh, in our course we started off talking about education um, and then bits of that come in in one topic area, but bits of it come in in a different topic area. So it, it's the, in the board that I teach, it's me, myself, I, so that's all about you, family, um, things that interest you. Then there's education and future career, so, and, and jobs. So those come in two different units or three different units in the book, but they come into one area for, for the topic. 
and then it's um, social issues, home life, home and abroad. So they, they may all be taught at different times over the two to three years, but they are clumped together for the, for the purposes of the exam. Um, so it's, I teach suitable questions at the end of each unit that I teach, but at some point just after Christmas, we will start presenting the students to the questions in their three topic areas so they can start working on them. My idea is that they have more answers available to them than they actually need. Um, just thinking about it, always look at the, the heading which is given in English so you know which topic area the questions are going to come in. That's another little tip because those are, and look at the pictures as well. You know, when the, doesn't matter which part of the exam it is, they often put a picture or an advert or a clue or something, a title in English, and that will direct your thoughts to the, the area of the course that you're supposed to be listening out for or reading about. So little little clues like that, little little hints. Okay. Um, with things like, uh, things like, well, it's the main thing, vocabulary, what's the top tip for expanding your, I mean, um, where do you find a list of words that uh, students need to know? They are on the specifications. I believe that AQA produces a grey book which we provide to the students so at foundation level or higher level. It's not exhaustive, but basically the exam board cannot ask you to produce a direct answer unless that word or phrase is on their list of known vocabulary. And if there's a word in a text that they, have, they don't expect you to know, then they will put an asterisk and, and um, translate it for you. But those grey books in, in for AQA, I'm sure other colours are available for different boards, but that <laughs> is the, the absolute core vocabulary. So in the booklet that we use, the beginning of it is all high-frequency words, and those just have to be learned. But there's little, little sections like geographical features. So, for example, in, in Germany, German, they expect you to know that the Baltic Sea has a different name in German from Baltic, that Lake Constance is, has a different name from Lake Constance, that the, the English Channel doesn't sound like the English Channel. They expect you to know that the Danube is the Donau, which is one that they wouldn't expect you to know. So there are very specific geographical features in, in the two syllabuses that I know in French and German that are so different from the English that they expect you to learn those and know them and they can throw those in in listening reading um, and expect you to know what they are. So it's those little sections but the, the front uh, part of the booklet is all the high frequency verbs, all the high frequency adjectives and then the rest of the book is divided up into the sections that are pertinent to each chapter that we teach. So subjects specific vocabulary. Excellent. Uh, and in terms of learning vocab, um, do you have any websites that you particularly suggest or Absolutely. are you much more of a grey book? I'm very much, a, after 35 <coughs> years, I'm very much pen and paper. Um, there is, however, and my, ah, my brain will come back to it, there is a, a, an app that students can use. We've, got, we've suggested previously Memrise. Um, languages Duolingo um, not that one cognitive it's one that creates games with vocabulary and teachers have put in on um, all of the vocabulary required for each of the specifications 
We'll find it and we'll, we'll put it in the show We'll find it, yes. I mean, basic vocabulary, the old uh, primary school look right, cover check, is uh, look cover right check even is uh, is the best way of actually putting vocabulary into into your heads um, because you need to know you need to, there's the booklet that we use has got it divided up vocabulary for listening and reading so vocabulary you need to recognize more than use and then extra vocabulary for writing and speaking so things that you are expected to be able to use yourself um, so those are the two different ways of looking at things but we had um caption pop we found as well which i quite like the look of where you you can use it to search for videos in that particular native language uh, youtube videos and then it comes up with um so it'll have the the line in say german and the line in english and you can choose to blur out one or the other and so i was looking at the disney ones because i'm a mm. giant disney nerd and i was <laughs> watching something from hercules i think being sung in French and and I was trying to figure out how many of those words I could actually have figured out without looking at the subtitles and you can you can choose which one to switch and it's got quite nice little controls so you can go back a line and repeat things and stuff I thought that might be a, a just a slightly different way to try and expand vocabulary Songs, as music, well. Songs, yeah. music, I mean my, my own children have learnt most of their language through French musicals. Um, my younger daughter particularly likes German um, cartoons and fairy tales, and she can recite whole passages in in German of, of these weird little German fairy tales. And she's even done them in Dutch and Chinese as well, just through curiosity. And you can find those on on YouTube. Um, both French and German mainstream TV do the equivalent of um, CBBS or CBBC. Um, so on German TV, for example, it's tv.de, so tivi.de, and it's got all the children's programs, but it's also got things like Newsround. And so it's just 10 minutes of the news items for the day, which are at a level and the speed that would come up on your listening exam, for example. But it's got pictures, and then it explains things like unemployment or global warming and all of these things that could come up in your exam. But for for kids and it's very graphic and it and it explains things really clearly and then it's got the weather forecast and that is another section of the uh, listening or reading exam so it, it and it's out there but it's at, at the right sort of vocabulary level for for GCSE as well mm. so those are little hints right to the same country yes it sounds like a very good shout um, no I was going to say that the, the the one I think the exam which is the the most challenging is the writing exam um, over two levels so either foundation or higher level as the whole exam is um, it it is the bit that if you don't understand what the instructions are then that is where you're going to struggle because you, it's so so many marks are based on content so for example the, the first question on the board I do on the foundation writing is a photograph but that links directly to the speaking as well so it's the same sort of skill you literally have to say what's on the photograph two marks four sentences you either said it really well you've got an idea or you wrote nothing if you write nothing you get nothing that's the, the absolute <laughs> key thing through the whole of the writing paper um, then there's a 40 word uh, piece of writing that is worth the same as the 90 words so you've got 16 marks on the aqa board for writing 40 words 
and then there are four things you have to cover you don't have to be complicated with tenses or anything like that so you, you've got 16 marks 10 marks for content i.e you've done 40 words and you've mentioned all the four things that you need to mention and then six for accuracy that should be an absolute gift and so you've got eight marks for writing four sentences about a picture and another 16 then for doing 40 words that should be an absolute gift on those two parts of the paper then you've got five sentences to translate and you know there's going to be a past tense in there there's probably going to be a future there's going to be an awkward connective word in there so somewhere but again you can get almost full marks with with making mistakes so that's another 10 marks and then the most challenging part of the of the foundation paper is the 90 word question and it is covering the content that is the key. You have four areas to cover. There will be a future tense part of it. There will be a past tense part of it. And the mark schemes, how the thing is marked, is on the website. It's on the each mm -hmm. board specification. So you can see what it is you have to put in there. But on the, the content is, is 10 marks again. But you have to cover all four bullet points to even get seven out of 10. So that's the absolute key. You don't, it's 90 words. If you only do 45 words, you'll only have access to half of the marks. So try as best you can to expand. You don't have to deal with all four bullet points with the same weighting. So if two look meatier than the other two, as long as you've mentioned things on the other two, you've got access to the full range of marks. So that's another 10 marks in the bad by just meeting the word count and mentioning all four areas as best you can. But just remember, there will be a future tense, there will be a past tense, that you have to give opinions throughout, then you've got access to 10 marks. And then the accuracy, well, it says you've got to mention three time frames. So as long as you've put some future tense, some past tense and some present tense in there, you've made an attempt at three time frames, you don't have to get it right. So you can get access to almost full marks by making mistakes all the way through. So that's the foundation writing. It should be very doable as long as you've done your preparation and know your mark scheme. The higher level is more tricky, particularly the second question, which is about 150 words long, because it doesn't give you a framework. It just gives you two bullet points. It, you have to then build in your own little checklist, and your teacher should probably give you this, a little checklist of things that you need to add in. So all of your tenses... Um, make sure you put some, some I'm thinking in, in German, some, some clever uh, connectives in there, some that send the verb to the end, some that don't, so you're just showing off. So you should have a nice little list in the, in, in the corner. And, and I, I took my O-levels many, many, many years ago, and we did exactly the same thing. We had a list of 10 things in the margin, and we just ticked them off as we put them in. And that's what the new GCSE is more or less the same, because you have to put your own framework in there. So as soon as so. you turn the paper over, put the list down. Yeah, and then build, the construct your story around the grammar framework. That's what you need to be doing for the 151 mm, as you go. and just make sure you cover both bullet points because if you don't cover both bullet points you can't access the full content marks again yeah. um those connectives um that you've mentioned a couple of times i presume they're in the grade book uh, under the section connected yes and they're also on the grammar specificate part of the specification as well important um now the other thing that we said we needed to make sure we remembered to mention was context so we were talking about the fact that um, kids 
nowadays don't necessarily get the opportunity to go to the country that speaks their tongue, their language that they're learning, which can sometimes be a little bit of a disadvantage. Yep. The, the, the basis of the GCSE is that you are travelling to that country, so you know an awful lot of the cultural information about it. So that is an area where you could actually use the internet for good purposes and think, for example, they expect you to know about the school system. So if it were France, for example, they expect you to know that they do a long school day, but on most Wednesdays they're not at school. Sometimes they do Saturday mornings um, to compensate for that. They don't wear a school uniform. They'd expect you to know what, what the names of the exam systems are. Germany, morning school predominantly, so they start really early, but they finish at lunchtime. They would expect you to know again that there, there's no uniform in, in, on the continent for, in schools. Um, they would expect you to know the major um, celebratory days, so the, the days where the national holidays are. Uh, in France, Germany, Italy, Spain, where, wherever those are, and they expect you to know what people do on those days. But they have done um, my own daughter's GCSE listening. There was a whole section on travelling down the motorway and having a telepiage badge, which opened the barriers you got there. Now, she's fortunate. She's been travelling down to, through France since she was born, and so she knew what the context was, but none of her friends knew that because they'd never been in a car traveling down through the country um, food specialities um, there's a whole section of the syllabus on customs and celebrations um, if you're speaking german then you need to make sure you know customs in switzerland and austria as well the major towns in switzerland and austria the main geographical features because again those contextualize um, but it's the, it's the school one really that there's always something about schools and exams and that sort of thing so any other hints and tips, anything else we need to know? The one thing which puts students under pressure is particularly I find in the higher reading exams where there are long passages that students tend to look at the people around them and think they need to be moving more quickly through the paper than they need to. So you need to put yourself into like a little box and only focus on what you're doing on your exam paper. And take no notice of those people who are whipping through. If the exam higher reading, for example, is an hour long, it needs 55 minutes of hard work on it. If you finish it in 15, then you've not given it any respect. And I did experiment with this some years ago with a student who'd, who'd got a, a D or an E on the paper when he'd sat in the exam hall. And I knew he was better than that, so I then didn't mark his paper, but gave him the same paper back. In a, in a quiet room at lunchtime and he got a B on it, same paper, no more hints, no more revision. And I said, what's the difference? He said, I was watching everybody else turn the pages and I felt I wasn't going fast enough. So you've got to put yourself into a little bubble and just focus exactly on what you're doing. But particularly the higher reading papers, they need a lot of respect because there's, they're full of tricks. And um, there's now a literacy section, literary section of, of those as well. Um, in German, they t still tend to be going back to the old Grimm's fairy tales. So look for a few hints of, of um, stories that you might recognise and, and go back and think, oh, that could be about that or that could be about that. But the language will be different on the, on the literary section and you, you will have to answer that in the target language as well. So 
see if you can find the right sentence and more or less copy it out verbatim you've got a good chance of getting some marks if you leave a gap you'll get nothing so always write something rather than nothing okay good I think I think I've run out of questions. Have you run out of questions? I think I have run out of questions. Some really really good uh, hints and tips. So thank you very <laughs> I much. I hope so, and all the best. Bon chance. Alles Gute. <laughs> thank you very much for being up with us. If you'd like to know more about how you can support your child through their GCSEs, then head over to parentguide to gcse.com. See you next time.